So the question is, what do you wonder about? We all wonder about things. There's things in life, there's things in this world that we just sometimes go like, what is that even about? What's going on there? Sometimes when we lay in bed at night, when the world finally slows down and your day comes to an end, if you're anything like me, you start to wonder a little bit. You start to wonder like about so many things. Many of us, we wonder about things from our past. We wonder about what our future will look like. If you got kids, you are always wondering what is going on with these kids, right? We wonder about our kids' future. And so there's all these things that we have questions about. There's all these things that we see and we experience, and it raises all kinds of questions and concerns in our lives. We also wonder about so many things that aren't so significant. Like for me, I often wonder how so many people actually pass the state driver's test. It's amazing. <laughs> or what actually is wrong with Aaron Rodgers? Because I just don't know anymore. <laughs> There's all kinds of things that we wonder about. When we're navigating our way through a broken world, when we're navigating our way through life, and there's lots of people, and everyone has free will, and so everyone's free to choose and make decisions, and people make decisions that we necessarily wouldn't make, and so that leads us down a whole other path of wondering, why are people doing the things that they're doing? We have so much in this world to be curious about, so much to wonder about. I was telling staff about the series I want to do where we tackle some of these things that we wonder about and some of these things that we question. And, and we got this graphic that, that Rusty came up with called Wonderland. And, and, and so we said, hey, it's kind of Alice in Wonderland-like. And so is that okay? And I was like, yeah. So I picked up the book Alice in Wonderland. I'd never read it. It's amazing. And uh, I read it. And, and what happens in this book, if most of us have only seen the movies, we've never probably read the actual book, but um, Alice walks or actually falls into a new world where things she's never seen or experienced. And in the, the novel, she, she has to navigate this new reality that she finds herself in with all of these things and all these curiosities and all of these people and all of these characters that she's not sure how to take and what to do with. And, and it even becomes a questioning of herself and who she is and, and how she relates to the world around her. And so she starts to explore the world. And there's this great line at the beginning of chapter 11, where it starts with curiouser and curiouser, said Alice. Because all of a sudden now she, she's thrust into this world that she's not sure that she totally understands and she has to navigate through. And so she becomes more curious about everything that she sees around her. And maybe just like Alice, you often feel like you've been thrust into a world where there's so many curiosities and there's so many things that feel left unexplained. And then we think about our faith and it transfers into our faith too. We get cast into this faith system where we have all of these questions and we have all of these things. And, and let's just be honest, some of the questions that come up and some of the things we wonder about late at night are more of the serious things. Like, why did that even have to happen? And why did that have to happen to them? And why did that have to happen to me? Or maybe it's things like, well, who, who actually are we? Like, who are we as people? Why, why do we matter? Or the question that many people wrestle with is, what is God actually like? And, and why are people the way that they are and they do the things that they do? And why am I the way that I am and I do the things that I do? 
And so we wrestle with all of these things and we work through all of these things and many of these things can keep us up late at night pondering the world that we found ourselves into and the way we relate to it. And if there's a God in heaven who created and sustains all things, including us, we start to have all of these questions and all of these thoughts and it can fill our brain and make our our thoughts rush into our mind and keep us up with the wondering. I want to let you in on a little secret. Um, The more that I have learned over the years... And the more that I continue to learn, the more questions I actually have, the more curious it actually becomes. I now have more questions, not less, than when I began this journey of faith. And what happens for so many of us is we find ourselves on this path and we're navigating this world that feels kind of different and curious to us and we're cast into characters and subjects and thoughts and all of these things. What happens for a lot of us is our wondering can actually lead to something else. And and there's this great line. It says, wondering can actually lead to wandering. Because we start to wonder. And then we start to wander. And so part of the reason that many of us wander away from faith or wonder in life is because all of a sudden doubt starts to creep in. When we have these questions and these things that we're wondering about. I'm convinced many people that the reason they walk away from faith, that the reason they find themselves in their faith journey that they're on is because they're actually asking good questions, but they were just getting terrible answers. Or maybe it's the thing that there's this pressure to never ask questions in the first place. See, here's what happened for, for most of us, not all of us, but most of us. The reality is that somewhere in our childhood or at some point in our young years, or maybe you're new to faith, but at some point somebody came along, a parent or a mentor or a pastor or somebody, and they said something like, here's what you're supposed to believe. And here's what God's like, and here's how you're supposed to behave. And God rewards the good people and punishes the bad people. And just so you know, here are the good people, and here are the bad people. And someone just kind of handed you a faith. And as a kid, it works. As a kid, that's kind of what we have to do. We kind of have to say, like, here's the lines, and here's the things, and here's the parameters, and here's all of this. And and you believe that if you came to faith as a child, but then we got older, and you got into your 20s and your 30s, and, and all of a sudden you start to experience life, and you start to experience the world around you, and you start to experience all of these curious things that nobody prepared you for. And so all of a sudden the stories that you once were so easily taught and believed, now all of a sudden there's some confusion. And some of the ideas that were once ingrained in our thinking now are just more difficult because life happens. And we meet people with different views and we engage people that don't fit into the categories that we were handed when we were kids or we stepped into faith. And all of a sudden the stories that were so neatly explained on blue flannel graph, right, all of a sudden don't carry the weight that they once did. And we're not sure what to do with them. And so all of a sudden, our beliefs and what we thought we believed becomes a little bit fuzzy. And here's what you have to know about belief in case you don't know it. Everything you believe and everything I believe, everything that you believe and everything I believe is either taught or experienced. That's it. It's taught to us or it's based on something that we experienced. And so I want to introduce a story that we've talked about before today and kind of we launch into this series. And by the way, today's all introduction. 
and all introducing you to some ideas and thoughts. And so a little backstory, it takes place in Matthew chapter 14, and it's on the cusp of Jesus feeding 5,000 people. So if you're new to faith or you've been along, there's this story where Jesus, he's got this crowd, they're following him, um, and, and they want to hear what Jesus has to say. And so there's this miraculous thing that happens where all these people need to be fed because it's lunchtime, and they don't have anything to feed them. And so this boy comes along, and he's got these five loaves of bread and these two fish. And the Bible says that through what Jesus is able to do, up to like 15,000 people are able to be fed. And, and I realize that for some of you, you hear a story like that and you're like, all right, come on now. Like that one seems a little tough. And for some of you, maybe it's hard to believe that story because it defies all the laws of physics that we have been taught exist within the world. And I get it, but stick with me because it's going to get even crazier. So right on the cusp of that story. So imagine that you're there and you just experienced that. Okay, and you just saw this happen and you experienced this not only as the crowd of people that all of a sudden get fed this food, but also as the disciples who go to Jesus and say, we don't have any food. Jesus says, give me what you got. And all of a sudden this incredible thing happens. It's almost so hard to believe. And so afterwards, it says in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus immediately made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside to pray by himself. And later that night, he was alone, and the boat was already considerably distant from the land and buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. And so... There's this scene where Jesus himself, you know, he's just done this amazing thing. And so if he can take five loaves of bread and two fish and feed 15,000 people, why not just walk on water? It seems like that's the next step, right? And, and so he's walking on the water, which is you and I know is not possible, right? Good luck with it if you want to try it, okay? It's not going to happen more than likely. And so he's doing this, and so Peter sees him doing this, and Peter kind of has this moment where he's like, all right, come out and, and, and tell me. And here's the thing. Peter gets a bad rap because we know, most of us know what's going to happen next, but did you notice that nobody else is willing to do this? It's just Peter. And, and so as we know in the story that we're going to see in a second, that Peter gets out of the boat, and there's a moment... Where, where he's walking on the water. He's doing something and experiencing something that nobody else before or as far as I can tell since has ever been able to do. And I got to imagine in that moment, although it was a brief moment, your mind starts to wonder some things, right? And then all of a sudden he sees the storm. And all of a sudden, his wondering in his mind leads to a little bit of wondering. And all of a sudden, he starts to be like, this is not possible. And he sees the storm, and he sees the waves, and he starts to sink. An important detail in this is it was not Jesus that changed. It wasn't Jesus that changed. Jesus kind of keeps the same stature throughout the story. 
And it was not the storm itself that changed. The, the storm itself didn't like calm down like we see later when Jesus calms the storm. No, what changed was Peter's focus. It changed what he had become focused on. And now all of a sudden, what, when he was focused on Jesus, that was one thing. But now all of a sudden, there's all of this peripheral stuff going on. There's all of these things that he's kind of worked through and figure out. And all of a sudden, now he starts to wonder. And he starts to all of a sudden kind of realize the storm going on around him. The reality is, when it comes to this story, is the storm was always there. The storm was always going on. It was just all of a sudden Peter became aware of it. Peter started to focus on it. And for some of us, we're there in our journeys. That, that we're walking along, we've got our eyes focused on Jesus, and then all of a sudden we become aware of some things around us. We become aware of some situations around us. We become aware of these things. And all of a sudden, for many of us, we ourselves start to sink. 31 says this, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And it seems like when I read this, it seems kind of harsh, right? Like Peter's the only one that had the courage to get out of the boat. For a couple of seconds, like Peter's actually walking on the water. And and so it seems like Jesus is kind of being a little stern for him, a, a little harsh here. But, but then from his perspective, here's what you have to think when it comes to Jesus. Like I started thinking from Jesus' perspective, like why did you doubt, Peter? Did, did you not just see me feed the people? Hey, remember that time that there was this guy that couldn't see and then like spit in some mud and put it on his eyes and then he could see? Do, do you remember all the things, Peter, that I've done? And it's almost like I have this feeling that Jesus is looking at Peter and he's like, Peter, like, I get it, but come on, man, like, why did you doubt because of this? Like, think about all of the things that Jesus has brought Peter through, all of the things that Jesus has has done. And here's where it relates to some of us. Because think about all the things that Jesus has done for you. Think about all the things that Jesus has brought you through. And then like Peter, I'm the same way and many of you are, as soon as the next storm comes, all of a sudden we start to doubt again. And we start to wonder again. And so maybe Jesus is looking at him and he's saying like, Peter, come on, man. Like you were doing it. It would be one thing if Peter, like like I, immediately got out of the boat and just dropped to the bottom, right? Like that would be one thing. But there was a moment where he's actually doing it. And so the problem with this story is not Jesus, I don't think. And the problem really isn't Peter so much. The problem is the storm itself. It's the thing that that, that keeps us distracted. See, it's fairly easy to follow Christ when the balance of the world is swinging in your favor. And it's really easy, but when the bumps in the road come, or the heavy storms come, and it starts to kind of beat against you, not only physically in your life, but maybe emotionally and spiritually, and for some of us, let's be honest, it's a mental journey, we get distracted. The wind blows, the lightning flashes, the waves crash, cancer strikes, feelings got hurt, tragedy hit home, pain happened. 
social unrest. They got sick. They changed their mind. They left. They did things that not only hurt themselves, but also hurt us. And so all of a sudden, this faith that maybe just a few moments ago we felt secure in, all of a sudden our mind starts to wonder, and we start to wonder if this is worth pursuing. Or maybe for you it wasn't an event, maybe it wasn't an experience, because again, remember, everything that we believe is either experienced or taught. So maybe for you it was, you finally started to question the fact of whether God can really forgive you, because you know you, and I know me. And I know I can put on a microphone every week and get up here and say some words, but I also know what's going on in my heart sometimes. And so maybe it's this reality of, you know, can God really forgive somebody? And and is this system real? Or maybe for some of us in this room, it's this idea that um, you you wrestle and wonder whether the Bible can actually be trusted. Because there's this thing out now called Google. And you can just Google some stuff. And now all of a sudden, you know, these lessons you were taught, these stories you were taught, this book, this document, these letters that you thought you could trust, now all of a sudden there's some questions. Or maybe for some of us it's this idea of we can't reconcile the world's suffering with a loving God. And it's not even the world's suffering. We say it's the world's suffering, but let's be honest, for some of us, we can't reconcile our suffering with a loving God. Or maybe you've read an article by a skeptical scientist or a theologian and it just kicked the legs of your faith right out from underneath you. And so now there's this tension because these things you once believed and once held on to and now there's some confusion. There's some doubt and there's some questions and there's some wondering in your mind that also can lead to some wondering. One of the things I've learned over the years is our understanding of God has often become flawed. One of my favorite quotes is, the moment God is figured out with nice, neat lines and definitions, we are no longer dealing with God. We're dealing with a construct, but we're not actually dealing with God. There's this amazing story in the Bible, a verse that just has amazed me. And so it's in Matthew chapter 28, and the Bible records that Jesus has just resurrected. All right, so it's like Jesus is put on a cross. We know that part of the story. And then Jesus dies. We know that part of the story. And then the part of the story we all have to wrestle with, because this is the part that actually matters, is that he actually come back to life. Was he actually resurrected? And so in this story, it tells us in Matthew 28 that Jesus rises from the dead and that he sees this group of people. All right, so just imagine this. I understand me and you wrestling with this. It's normal. It's part of the journey. We wrestle with a guy rising from the dead because we've never seen it before. All right. But in this story, these are actually people that actually saw a resurrected Jesus. They saw a guy die and now they're having breakfast with him. All right. And in Matthew chapter 28, verse 17, there's three simple words. Ready? It says this, but some doubted. What? Like they actually saw a resurrected Jesus and they're still like, I don't know, man. Like the, the, fish, the fish trick was cool. The water thing was great. I mean, I can't explain this one, but some doubted because the wondering was too much for them. And maybe for some of us in this room, it's been a long time. And it's been a long time, you know, since you felt that connection. 
and you felt Jesus' presence in your life. Or maybe for some of us in this room, our wondering is because we're a logical and reasonable person and faith just doesn't make sense. Or maybe you're an emotionally driven person and it's been a long time since you felt the presence of God in your life the way that you once felt it. Peter N. says this, one of my favorite quotes. He says, struggling with faith is normal. And for some of you, you just needed to know that. Journey and pilgrimage have become powerful words for me for describing the life of faith. I have come to expect periods of unsettledness, uncertainty, and fear to remind me that, I, that who I am, where I am, and what I think do not define reality. Facing and then being truly present with my experiences along the way help me remember that my experiences at any moment are not the entire journey, including those periods where God is distant. I have come to believe that periods of struggling and doubt are such common experiences of faith, including in the Bible, that something is meant to be learned from such periods, however long the duration might be. In other words, no matter how strong our faith is or how strong we want people to believe it is, at some point we may experience these questions and these wonders and this wondering of our mind. But instead of being signs of weakness, doubt can actually be something that causes us to dig deeper into our relationship with God and even make our faith stronger. You've seen me use this quote before by Tim Keller. He says this, a faith without some doubts is like a human body with no antibodies in it. People who gladly go through life too busy or indifferent to ask the hard questions about why they believe as they do will find themselves defenseless against either the experience of tragedy or the probing questions of a smart skeptic. Again, it's what you experience or what you're taught. A person's faith can collapse almost overnight if she or he failed over the years to listen patiently to her own doubts, which should only be discarded after long reflection. And so, it's okay to wonder. It's okay to have those questions. In fact, first thing I want to say is, when you have those things, don't deny or fear your doubt. Doubt is not always the absence of faith. In fact, I would say it's often a critical and necessary step on the path towards a deeper faith to ask some of the tough questions that you're dealing with. In fact, I am skeptical of the non-skeptical. I just am. Or at least those not willing to do some work. Oswald Chambers, who wrote a great devotional that many of us have read, he says this, always make a practice to stir your own mind thoroughly to think through what you have easily believed. So what you easily believed before, just know you got to think through this stuff. Your position is not really yours until you make it yours through suffering and study. Again, many of us were handed something. There's this great quote in Alice in Wonderland that, that I love. Um, what, what's fascinating is you read the Alice in Wonderland, if you've never read it, and I'm becoming kind of like a fanboy, so just bear with me. But um, what's fascinating is the Mad Hatter, when you read the book, turns out he's actually the most sane character in the book. And here's what he says one time when he's talking to Alice. He's, he's asking her some questions. He says, I don't think, Alice says. And then he says, then you shouldn't talk, said the Hatter. See, we live in a world with a lot of people that want to talk, but don't want to think. Sometimes faith comes very naturally, and sometimes everything we believe is suddenly thrust under a microscope, and we're forced to examine it, and it's okay to look. 
The other thing you have to know about doubts and wondering is sharing honestly about your faith, including your doubts, helps other people outside of yourself. Because here's the thing, we could stop right now and we could have everybody raise their hands and you wouldn't do it, but you could say, what questions do you have about faith? And you would start asking some questions about God and Jesus and the Bible and all of these things. And here's what's crazy. Most of the questions that you would ask is probably the same questions that most of the other people in this room would ask. Just reality. Most of the things that you wrestle with, most of the things that keep you up late at night are the same things that everybody else in this room is working through and thinking about, including me. And so what often happens is in some of the best words in Christian faith is when you have a question, when you have a doubt, when you have a concern, or you're going through an experience that's leading to your mind wondering, when you go through these things and you tell somebody about it and they don't judge you, they don't critique you, they don't tell you how dumb you are, they look at you and they say, man, me too. Like, I, I, I wonder about that sometimes. So don't allow that. And then this last one that I want to be a little bit hopeful is you have to believe sometimes that something is happening that you just can't see. Christian Women once wrote in his book, My Bright Abyss, he says, doubt is painful, but its pain is active rather than passive, purifying rather than stultifying. Far beneath it, no matter how severe its drought, how thoroughly your skepticism seems to have salted the ground of your own soul, faith durable and faith is steadily taking root. That even in some of those things, it's because there's this thing that's growing inside of you. So one of the most difficult things about wondering is sometimes to feel like nothing is happening. You have all of these questions. Your mind is racing. And sometimes it seems like God has gone silent. Sometimes it seems like scripture sounds easy. And the nothingness can be hard to bear. But let me tell you, not as your pastor, but as a friend who's been through those seasons alongside of you, God doesn't do nothingness. He doesn't sit there. He doesn't live there. It's not really the business that he's in. And could it be that something is happening beneath the surface? In his book, In Two Minds, The Dilemma of Doubt and How to Resolve It, OCG says this, if ours is an examined faith, we should be unafraid to doubt. If doubt is eventually justified, we were believing what clearly was not worth believing. But if doubt is answered, our faith has grown stronger. It knows God more certainly and it can enjoy God more deeply. And one more quote because I just love to work the fingers of the people in the back. Here we go. Rufus Jones said this, A rebuilt faith is superior to an inherited faith that has never stood the strain of a great testing storm. If you have not clung to a broken piece of your old ship in the dark night of the soul, your faith may not have the sustaining power to carry you through to the end of your journey. So back to Peter. Peter's in the water, and there's this moment of doubt. There's this moment where he doesn't know what to do. And there's a tension there. What's fascinating is Peter's doubt doesn't disqualify him. It doesn't make him any less. It doesn't make him unworthy. It just makes him a human trying to figure this thing out. And do you know what happened when he starts to fall? When he starts to realize the water is too much? Jesus reaches his hand down and grabs his hand and pulls him up. 
And I will tell you in my faith journey of 20 plus years, sometimes that's enough. It's just to know that he's not going to let me drown in my fears and my doubts and my wondering. And even if my faith is all I can do is hold on to his hand and have him pull me up, it's enough. When we're drowning in our disbelief, when we're drowning in our doubts, when we're drowning in the hurt and pain of life, can we believe that Jesus will still stick his hand down and help us pull us up? And sometimes that's all we can hold on to. And the truth is, for some of us, it's hard to get there, but we need to get there to the place we believe that that's actually sometimes just enough. Those moments where God reaches into your life and say, it doesn't feel logical, it doesn't fit the categories we know to be, but here we are. There's this amazing phrase that pops up over and over again in the life of Jesus, where he does these amazing things time and time again. And his disciples, they simply ask, what kind of man is this? And maybe in our wondering, that's where some of us need to start. To keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, even if it's difficult. Even when we have our doubts and our concerns. The amazing thing to me about this whole thing is this, is we're not meant to be on this journey alone. Alice in in the book, she feels alone, but there's all of these characters that come in beside of her and walk her through this journey that she finds herself in. And and what's fascinating to me when it comes to our wondering, when it comes to our doubt, and for some of us when it actually comes to our wondering, our walking away, this is the beauty of the church. Because sometimes when I am weak, you are strong. And sometimes when you're weak, I am strong. And sometimes when it's hard to believe, sometimes when I'm not so sure about Jesus, or sometimes when we're not so sure what to do with the Bible, and and sometimes when we have more questions than answers, we realize that that's okay. And it's okay because we're here doing this together. We show up week after week, even in seasons when we wrestle and even in seasons when we struggle and, and, and we see Jesus. And, and here's the thing that you got to know sometimes about faith is, see, sometimes in my life or maybe in your life, it feels like it's not working the way that we want, but then we come together and I see him working in somebody else's life. And what he's doing in their life and what he's doing in their story, it builds my faith, even though it may not be happening for me. And so we're here for each other. And so, every week I will be at the bottom of the ramp and would love to pray with you and talk with you if you have any questions or concerns, uh, if you want to talk about baptism, what it means to put your trust and faith in Jesus.